Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. out there. You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig, and we're continuing to highlight very interesting products, food products, of course, uh, starting with um, a granola that Peter's crazy about. Um, it's uh, called Sweet Diane's, the company is, um, because it's Diane Cowdery, uh, who is the owner, founder, and uh, designer of, of these these wonderful granolas. Well, we're going to be talking to Diane Caldry, who's in Northern California, she tells us, about um, her her wonderful company, Sweet Diane's. And um, tell us a little bit, Diane, about how you ended up making granola. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Thank you. Um, well, I've always loved baking um, and, of course, sharing what I bake because if I didn't do that, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, <laughs> I've done that my whole life. Uh, when I was in graduate school, I had a little baking company and I sold bread to some local restaurants where I was in Athens, Georgia. And then I went on and worked a wonderful career. And when I retired, um, I wasn't ready to just put my feet up. Um, mm-hmm. I've always, like I said, liked uh, to bake, um, I have great memories of my grandmother's big cookie jar that we would always raid when we go to visit them in the summers that she lived in Ohio. And when my dad retired, he started baking biscotti, and he would bake hundreds of them, put them in the That's freezer so outside, and give them to all of his doctors and all the people who would mail packages, all of the neighbors and friends. So it's it's kind of in my blood. So um, I was trying to think of what to do, and my son, who lives in New York, said to me one day, Mom, why don't you send me some of that granola that you make because it's delicious, and I'll, I'll just pay you for it. That can be your new job. I'll pay you for you to, <laughs> for you to send granola to me. And it kind of inspired me to think about actually having, you know, a company where I could sell it to other people. So... Um, I was inspired by that and used my friends and family to kind of get me started. I had a a virtual focus group. This was back in 2017. It was before the pandemic, but I had a lot of friends around the country, and I used them to brainstorm the name of the company, what my logo might be, uh, the design of our bags, and then I belonged to a local Zen group, and I had them do all the taste testing of the granola. Oh, nice. Very so cool. It was really, yeah, it was a wonderful community uh, effort. I feel like I'm kind of standing on the shoulders of so many people, and there's a lot of people that are cheering me on. And I have a wonderful local market near us, and I started there. Um, and luckily, the owners, a husband and wife, um, fell in love, especially with my blueberry almond granola. And so they started to carry it, and that gave me a little inspiration to uh, start approaching other stores. And, you know, this is a job I'm doing after retirement, so I'm not using it as, uh, you know, my sole source of income. Yeah. So I can build it slowly, and that's what I, I did. I just 
went with kind of where the energy was. I, for a while, I was making muffins and making cookies, and then those just I couldn't couldn't scale up and have somebody making those, but I eventually found a local manufacturer to make my granola, which, you know, I started out in my own kitchen because here okay. in California... Most people uh, did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've got one of those kitchen or cottage operations, and uh-huh. I was able to do it here for a while, and then it was just, the you know, the demand was so much that I had to get a, a person to make it in a in a commercial setting. So once that happened, I really started to grow, and, you know, now I'm in about 30 different stores in the Bay Area, and then I uh, we went online to do an e-commerce um, site about a year ago, and uh, so it my is husband available online. It is yeah. available online. Yeah, sweetdianes.com. Yeah, so I, this is such a family thing. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ian. No, I was going to. You can tell us about the family thing. Everybody in your family works in some capacity. <laughs> yes, volunteers is really the word. <laughs> um, yeah, my son, the one that kind of inspired me, he's a professional copywriter in um, Brooklyn, and he does all the copy for the company, whether it's my emails that I send out or the copy of the website or my tags, and it's amazing what the copy can do. And then my husband recently retired, and he didn't want to put his feet up either, so I got him working on our e-commerce site and making <laughs> deliveries to local stores, and then he ships it out for all of our online customers. Oh, no, wow. I just, I just, got, I just got a beep. Did, did someone else join our conference? Yes, this is the name Mashiki Sex. Say, Hi, say that again, dear, please. Sydney with Sheiky Sex. I'm just going to be listening in, so I won't be talking. Oh, okay, all right. Sydney, the publicist, Robin. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Okay, well, I caught you. I caught you. <laughs> <laughs> but now, what's what's so wonderful about this? Now, Peter says the taste is superb. Um, how do you achieve what you achieve? Oh, well, that's, that's a great question, and thank you. I'm glad that you really enjoy it, Peter. You know, oh, you I bet. really work. Uh, yeah, I worked hard to create a granola that tastes really fresh and has unique flavor profiles, but I also wanted to make it healthy and use only natural ingredients. Um, but I realized it can't just be healthy. It's got to taste good. Um, mm-hmm. People want to eat more healthy, but they won't do it if it doesn't taste good. So I was really balancing that, trying to create something that didn't have a lot of sugar, didn't have a lot of salt, and had a lot of um, protein in it, which gives it a, you know, people fill up and feel really good uh, eating it. So I wanted people to have something that tasted great, but they don't have to feel guilty when they eat it. So it's, it's yeah. healthy. I use healthy oils. I'm not a big fan of canola oil, so I use coconut oil and extra virgin olive oil. And, you know, I I also feel like it's, like I said, it tastes fresh. Uh, I use um, a lot of nuts, but I keep them whole. I don't chop things up into little tiny bits. So sometimes you're going to bite into a whole pecan or a whole almond, and I think that's special. I don't see that in many granolas. Why don't you you give our listeners... A little, a, a little bit of a, a walk through the different components 
that are in it. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to. So the first one that we started with is called Original Recipe. Um, and that's the one that my son requested. So I guess I could have named it after him. And I use organic rolled oats and organic pumpkin seeds, maple syrup, pecans, uh, sunflower seeds, extra virgin, uh, olive oil, which is organic, organic coconut chips, organic flax seeds, cinnamon, and sea salt. And that's what the could be bad with that, huh? <laughs> yeah, now, there's nothing now, bad with that. Now, do you do you put milk in yours as you eat it, or or? Well, you, I, my I, favorite I use, way. I use half and half myself. Half and half. Well, I my husband and I are primarily vegan, so we would use like oat milk or coconut milk, mm-hmm. and I love eating it on top of um, yogurt. You know, I'll have yeah. Like Peter uses yogurt. Yeah, I use, it, I use it that way. Yes. But I, I also yes, have some, I love it on yogurt. I have some delicious. I also gems. love it on. Oh, say that one more time. Sorry. We, I, I have some delicious jams that come from Kirsten up from California. One in particular okay. is Blenheim apricot jam. Oh yeah, that's some little stuff little, too. Little Blenheim apricot jam on top of everything really does well. <laughs> ah, the, the, good. Thing, well, yeah, kind know, of the, liven it up a little bit that way. Yeah, I like fresh that. Fresh bananas, you do. The, bananas. the other thing I really yep. like is, yep. is almost almost rotten bananas. You, yeah, you well, they're be, sweeter that way, right? You have to be mm-hmm. patient yeah, sweeter. And, and let them ripen. Yes. And so you're not, a, you're not a banana bread maker. You just use them for your... You're topping. I do. Right. I, I, cut, I cut them into little slices, and I put them Perfect. in the granola, and then and then I pour milk to make sure the granola softens. Mm-hmm. And then and then I add something something sweet like apricot jam or chocolate sauce or <laughs> chocolate sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so that's the first. Something that'll really catch your attention. <laughs> I like that. Diane, yeah, you, a, you should see oh, him. I don't know if you looked at our website, but he's he's really yeah, thin. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much he eats. He's always thin. Oh, well, that can be annoying, can't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's eating <laughs> chocolate sure. granola, and you're like, I can't have that. That's great. Well, I'm also a big fan of having it on top of oatmeal, because I eat oatmeal a lot. And so it's kind of like a double dose of oats, which is good because my cholesterol sometimes can be a little high and oats are great for, you know, bringing that down. So I like it on top of oatmeal. And if I'm traveling, I, I grab a bag of it because usually we'll go to like a Starbucks and get oatmeal for breakfast or I'll be in a hotel with oatmeal and then I put the granola on top. So it's perfect for me. Oh, great. Um, yeah. so how many different flavors do you have? Um, well, right now I have three, and I realize I never got to tell you about the other two, so I'll say that real quick. Right. So I have blueberry almond, which um, I guess is Peter's favorite. It was It's also the favorite of my, my local store owners. They just grab it off the shelf and have it every day, they've told me. And that one's got the almonds in it. So, again, I have the organic rolled oats, almonds, and a whole lot of organic pumpkin seeds. I've got dried blueberries, organic sunflower seeds, maple syrup, uh, coconut oil, sea salt, and spices. I have some cardamom in there along with cinnamon, okay, really? and that gives it that special flavor. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I love that spice. Yeah. 
And then the other, the last one I have is an orange cranberry granola, and that has the oats, maple syrup, pecans, and sunflower seeds, but that also has some dried uh, cranberries in it. I use the organic coconut oil, and I, I spice it up with a little essential orange oil, and then sea salt and some cinnamon. Now, you so I... Yeah, I was going to say, you don't add preservatives to any of this, do you? No, I don't. No. It it stays really well in the bags for, you know, pretty much five months um, because I tested it. But it's, yeah, I don't want to use any preservatives. That's part of why I think it tastes really fresh and people feel good when they look at the ingredient list and it's like, oh, these are all clean ingredients. There's nothing I don't yeah, know. See, that's that's my biggest yeah. complaint about granola is that it always tastes stale unless you get a really good brand. <laughs> Do you put, put right. yogurt on yours too, Diane? Yes, yes, I do. I love yogurt on mine, yeah. So you yeah. asked about this. So those are my three flavors. I do have one brand new flavor that will be coming out probably in June or July. And I've just finished work on this, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, and, and I said a little bit earlier that my granolas are pretty high in protein already, but I wanted to make one that was extra high in protein because that's something that people are wanting right now. So the new the new recipe is going to have quinoa in it, which makes oh, yeah. it really fun and crunchy. Yeah. And it's got a lot of similar ingredients, but I have to say I was inspired by two things. One of them is to, to make a high-protein granola, and then the other is my husband and I took a trip to Paris a few years ago, and we went to this wonderful um, wonderful um, bakery um, where he it's by uh, the, the man's name, the chef is Pierre Hermé, and he's most famous for making macarons, and he created a special flavor uh, with rose, raspberry, and, and lychee, oh, wow. and he made wow. uh, granola oh, with that flavoring. So I bought some of the granola, and I was just in love with the idea of having this sort of rose-infused granola. And I played around with the recipe. It took a long time because I found his recipe, and he used rose water, which didn't really work very well. Uh, I tried rose petals. I wasn't happy with that. And I finally settled on using um, some essential oil of rose and geranium. And that just gave it a beautiful kind of scent and bouquet. And I put in some freeze-dried strawberries, and it just made it beautiful and sort of sweet and savory. So that's my new granola. It's going to be called Protein Crunch. And it's got six grams of protein, which is more than any other granola I've seen per serving. So I'm thrilled. I'm going to get that out in the summer, and I'll send you a bag when it's ready. Please do. I'm already drooling. (laughs) <laughs> now, it, it's a tight market, granola, isn't it? Yes, granola is, I mean, it's, I think mine's really wonderful, but there's a lot of people that make it. It's not um, super specialized. There's a lot of granolas out there. So, yeah, it's a tight market. And even where I live, there are several local granola makers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of competitive. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, you, you identified your market, obviously. Well, which is yeah, not too be- hard because everybody's involved with this healthy trend. 
<laughs> I know. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's close with talking about procurement. I don't know. I don't know whether you're in major stores or whether you're in neighborhood grocery stores. Where, where, yeah. where are people? Where are people going to be able to buy sweet Diane's? Well, I'm in the Bay Area, and I'm in about 30 stores in the Bay Area, but I am okay. more in the smaller specialty stores um, because I use a lot, like I said, of r- really good ingredients. It's not yeah, expensive. Cheap, so I, it's, yeah. it's more expensive than other granolas, and I'm fine with that. I, you know, that's part of having your own business. The beauty of that is that you can have your own values, and I want to have – really good ingredients and I try to make as many of them as I can organic so it makes it a little more expensive but the people that care about that will be willing to pay for it so I'm not in big supermarkets I'm in smaller specialty stores Uh, I just started working with a distributor so I'm expecting that I'll be growing you know more and more in the Bay Area and regionally and then you know growing our business online for sure because I was looking at you know who my customers are, and just since the beginning of the year, 40% of my orders come from returning customers. So once okay. people order it and decide they like it, they just keep reordering it. So I have a lot of loyal customers, and that's, I think, where we're going to be growing in the future too. Right. I mean, do you have demographics on, on who's – I mean, it's, I guess everybody wants their selfie stuff now, right? Everybody wants a selfie? Is that what you said? Yeah, health. It's a major concern for for, uh, products is the health benefits. Exactly. And I'm also in the vegan space. And, you know, even though it's not really hard to make granola vegan, um, anytime I do any product, it'll be vegan. I may end up, you know, going back and making cookies and muffins like I I did several years ago. But uh, vegan, I went to a food show in Las Vegas uh, about a month ago, and it was huge, the plant-based section, especially plant-based milks and meats and cheeses, which are things that are more difficult This is the fancy food Um, show you went to? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you go to that this year? No, but I we we usually cover the one in New York on the East Coast. Um yeah. but it's grown so enormously now it's like <laughs> even 3 days you can't get through it. You know, so I know fun. you can't get through it. I know. <laughs> I have to say the last biggest one was smaller than normal and I think it's just related to COVID and people not yeah, maybe sure. feeling comfortable to go. So it was a little bit nicer. You could really get through everything. But, yeah, people want healthy food. Um, I think we're just learning more and more about how important good food is to our health. You know, with COVID, everybody's mm-hmm. wanting to make sure they have a good, strong immune system, and some foods are better for that than others. Now, I mean, if, if, if you're really into the vegan um, cooking, um, I... I have to mention to you, we just interviewed somebody who um, wrote a, a cookbook, a vegan cookbook, and she has all kinds of credentials. But, I mean, I get lots and lots of cookbooks, but this one's really especially good. And I'm just going to let you know. I went, it's Love the Foods That Love You Back, Kathy <laughs> Caton Grazzini. That you should get a hold. It's most really original, uh, thought-provoking um, vegan cookbook of all the ones I've ever had. So love it. Oh, that's great. Thank you <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So well, it's kind well, of listen, like that, that uh, title is saying it. I, I was oh, really ahead, uh, thrilled to, to meet you and, and learn about your company as well. And um, I, I hope you keep us posted on your development because I think you're, you're going to be in, in this for the long haul according to the quality of, of your product. So, Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. And so, uh, listeners, again, it's Sweet Diane, and it's – um, it's going to expand to four flavors of granola, fresh, healthful, just about everything you're looking for in a granola. Um, Kathy, thank you for talking to us. Thank and you I'm so Diane. much. And I'm just Kathy. It's the person I just recommended <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. It's been Diane. great talking with you, and thank you for your yeah, support. And, yeah, and, uh, and, and thank you, publicist, for all her help, too. Sydney, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah, so we'll talk again soon. Podcasting services for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. So next up, we have, believe it or not, the man, the prince, I should say, who would be king. Uh, we're talking about Giovanni Prince, um, his company and product, the Cracker King, and uh, another wonderful artisanal producer in uh, Portland, Oregon, which is such a hot place for such people. Uh, let's listen to Giovanni talk about his inspiration and in his company. We're talking to Giovanni Prince, a.k.a. the Cracker King, which is the name of his company. And, mm-hmm. um, the, yeah, <laughs> so I, I could see how that would come from your name being Prince, right? You, you had even yeah, more Yeah, you know, elevated. it's funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, I am, you know, yeah, Giovanni Prince, a.k.a. the Cracker King, the one and only. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because when I, I the name <clears throat> really didn't reflect that. I mean, I, it was my last name is Prince, but I um, I had this character that I wanted to put in back of my packages that had these long dreads, and for some reason I just came up with the Cracker King, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna like like the Keebler Elf type of thing, right? So what mm-hmm. I was gonna do is I was gonna take that character and I was gonna put him back in the bag and make it fun, and um, my wife goes, just call it the Cracker King. So I was like, yeah, you're right. Why just just call it the Cracker King? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that's kind of how it all came together. But yeah, I, I am royalty. I am a prince. <laughs> yeah, you are a prince, and it's a wonderful name and wonderful spelling of Giovanni. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the um, what do you call that? It sounds like, but it's not spelt like Giovanni in, in Italian. Yeah, it's a little different, J-O-V-A-N-I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, how did you different. end up in Portland to start with? Well, I ended up in Portland because um, I had started a company before this, and it was a, it was it was crackers. We first started. I didn't know, you know, when you first start and you first start trying something, you're just learning. I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and because um, uh, I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and. Uh, but uh, we did have pretty good product, but then um, uh, I had to file for bankruptcy and close it down because I really had no traction. I was in uh, Oakland area, San Francisco, okay. and I couldn't get any, tra- I couldn't get any traction. 
uh, because I couldn't do farmers markets. I, I couldn't get any farmers markets. Everything was tied up. But anyways, um, Nike had been uh, for like three to four years. Nike every year I'd keep calling my wife trying to recruit her. And the Bay Area was getting more and more expensive. And then my wife said again, you know, hey, look, Nike came and uh, um, once uh, you know talked to me, and I was like, well, okay. And then she said the magic words. She said, you know, this is after we had twins, and that means now we had three kids. <laughs> And uh, she said, "Look, we'll be able to afford a house. It'll be, you know, it'll be safer." Um, mm-hmm. So when I was like, I finally gave in. I said, "You know, just go, go ahead and go up there and see what happens." And she came back drinking a Nike juice. Oh, it's amazing! It's so beautiful up there, and blah blah blah. And of course, it was during spring, so it was, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't raining. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Nike was smart. Nike was smart with that. And I was like, "Oh, then then Nike." I said, "Okay, well, uh, you know, sounds good." Then Nike threw the whole family up and. We stayed there for a week, here for a week, and then they were showing us around Portland or where you could buy houses and all this other stuff. And uh, we were basically sold, and I realized that people were really nice. And then I looked at the, uh, I looked at the markets around here, and I realized that the gluten-free was huge. Health food was huge around here, and gluten-free was huge. And I thought, this is a good place for me to, to relaunch this gluten-free business. And so you've product. always dealt with gluten-free. Um, well, I want to say before I get into this that you are not the first food person that we've interviewed who ended up in Portland, Oregon, because his wife was recruited by Nike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I've got yep. an original story that I guess I told. Yeah, that's what happened. Curiously enough, I've been on the Nike campus several times do during during the time when I was doing a lot of networking stuff based on fiber, mm-hmm. hmm. fiber optics. Yeah, it's a- and it t- t- turned out that Nike had set up their infrastructure to mm-hmm. be fiber optic based. And I yeah, it's there. a beautiful. And then, mm-hmm. then, of course, you've got the beautiful green, beautiful green mm-hmm. fields. Yeah, it is so beautiful out here. It really is. Yeah, Peter's uh, always wanted to live in, in the Pacific Northwest, and we both like yeah. um, Portland, Oregon a lot, um, except yeah. for the rain. I just can't stand all that rainy gloom. <laughs> yeah, the rain Of course, is we're hard. in Pittsburgh, yeah, which is not exactly yeah. cheerful. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. But I do have to say that you definitely get used to it. Um Anyways, after you know, after after Nike flew us out, literally a month later, we were downtown in corporate housing, and uh, that's kind of how it happened. And then we were here, and then uh, you know, Portland Adventures began. Now you know how Portland got its name, of course, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I know Portland was a uh, Boston. Wasn't uh, Portland was going to be called? Um, wasn't it Boston well, there, or something? There, I don't there, know. Were, there were there were two guys who lived in what used to be called Stumptown. Oh yeah. Oh really? And they, yeah. And they, no, had, they, and, they, and they had a bet. Mm. Uh, the, win, the winner of the bet would get to name Stumptown after their hometown. And the two hometowns were Paul and Maine and Boston, Massachusetts. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So now you know. So now you getting... can sell yourself in bars in Portland. Yeah. We we used to cover that. What is that? Wild for game, um, thing that um, it was an annual event in Portland, mm-hmm. and and the first time we went, 
they set us up in a hotel, which I can't remember the name of the hotel, but it's the mm. only hotel that I've ever stayed in where uh, in, in the, the guest rooms, uh, they supplied, automatically supplied condoms and earplugs. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? Well, that's, that sounds like Portland, doesn't it? Portland we did not stay there for a full eight hours. It was just down the road from Le Pigeon. Yeah, yeah. I think it just closed. Well, he did something. I'm trying to remember what it was. He mm. kind of moved on in some fashion, but um, a yeah, lot of it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have I have interesting pictures of us together, but that's another story. Mm. Um, so now, have you always been involved with uh, gluten-free stuff, and why? No, I haven't always been involved with gluten-free stuff. Basically, what happened was that, um, you know, I got tired of being African-American. I got tired of being the last to be hired and the first to be fired. I, really, I had to work twice, you know, five times harder to get a job, and I just got tired of it. It just wasn't fair. So what I decided is that after we had our twins, I needed to, I needed to, um, I needed to do my own thing because that way no one could take my job away from me. You know, I could be more secure, and I could be able to take care of my family. Um, yeah, you so, said you were, at, on your literature, you say that you were, or have been a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I was, when we got here, I was a stay-at-home dad. My wife would go, <clears throat> you know, my wife would go to work. I took care of the kids, all three kids um, under under three. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was, and uh, then when she came home, I'd go to the, I'd go to the kitchen, I'd make crackers, and then I would drive Lyft and Uber all night to make ends meet. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I started the business. But, I mean, I kept trying to make sense of this story that you have on your uh, products. Um, like, what was your attraction to crackers? <laughs> well, yeah, crackers? That's, what I was gonna, that's, that's what I was going to let you know. What happened was that, um, so I didn't know what to do. Um, I knew I needed. I knew I didn't know if I was gonna have a hot dog stand. Well, you know, who knows what I was gonna do. But I knew I had to do something. Um, and then what happened was um, my my wife and I went to go see my mother, and my mom made these amazing crackers, and she gave them to us. And on the ride home, we just couldn't stop eating them. And then my wife turned to me and said, "You need to make these crackers and sell them." Uh-huh. And that's kind of how the whole concept came. Then my mom flew down and she helped me put that together without gluten-free, but then there was a friend who was gluten-free who said, you need to do gluten-free because we have horrible products and we need some really good product. And so I went around to a bunch of stores. Yeah, most gluten-free stuff tastes like cardboard, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Exactly. And so I went to a lot of different markets and seen, you know, that and tried a lot of different products and I said, oh my God, you know, they're right. And so also being able to, you know, penetrate a market that has less competition Made a lot made a lot of sense to me, so um, I decided, okay, no, we're not we're going to do gluten free because this is going to be a better way for me to actually break into the market and to be able to get uh, traction and be able to get known. Well, did you start out making them yourself? Oh yeah, no, of course, I've been making them for myself for yeah, that's what I did. I mean, like I said, I would, you know, I would um, go to the kitchen and I'd make crackers myself. And then I'd go to the farmer's markets. I mean, the recipes were all developed by me. You know, my mom helped me with the first one. Well, did you have a background in cooking? How did you know about all this? 
I had no background in cooking at all. Nothing at all. Now, I have you, not a baker. I'm not that? anything. Did you go to that one? But I love, I love, I love to cook. I love to bake. You do. I love to bake, and so I just, I, you know, I became honestly a mad scientist. I just, you know, I just got, <laughs> I went crazy, and I was tasting these other crackers out there, and I know they weren't as good. And I said, if I can make a cracker better than this, then I know I have something. And so I just became obsessed. I mean, I was, you know, I was just testing and testing and testing and testing. I mean, my product right now that we have, you know, took me probably a good eight to ten years to develop. Yeah, well, the the, the one that won the Good Food Award was how I found you. And, oh, okay. And yeah, and so that was the the one that reminds me of Cheez Its. Oh, it tastes just like, yeah, that's a cheese like a Cheez It cracker exactly. And then we won this year again for our rosemary and sea salt cracker. Yeah, well, I like that one too. Yeah, I mean they're both good crackers. Yeah. Thank you. I really do appreciate. It. That means a lot to me. I mean, I. I've busted my butt trying to make sure that um, we have a really amazing product. And, you know, my whole thing is making people happy. And I've always loved just to feed people. So being able to uh-huh. see people and have them put it in their mouth and have them that smile on their face and, oh, my God, I haven't been able to have a cheese since I can remember. You know, oh, my God, thank you so much. You know, that right there makes me feel I'm doing my job. You know, it makes me feel so happy, so happy. Do you sell in that wonderful farmer's market at Portland State? Uh, yeah, we were selling there for a long time, and of course, with COVID, um, everything shut down. Oh, and then right, right now, now we're just shame, huh? yeah, but they're they're back open. <clears throat> but you know, we have a very lean team. Um, I am, you know, we've grown a lot. You know, we are nationwide through Sprouts now. We've got we're just growing and growing really big. Um, but I, I just don't have time. I can't get out there and do it myself. And I don't want to hire someone to do it right now. It just doesn't. Usually you hire them. A lot of people, they just don't do the job that you need them to do. So every time I hired someone, they, you know, they, you know, they would hardly make any sales, and I'd be paying them, you know, a good, you know, a good salary for sitting out there, and then I'd be in the negative. But uh, right now, you know, our real focus is right now, our real focus is on retail because that's where we're really strong and doing extremely well. Um, do, you, do you sell online? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, we and do. It's, and it's uh, thecrackerking.com? Yeah, it's, it's www.thecrackerkingthecrackerking.com. Mm-hmm. Sure do. It's always a catch, yeah, crackerking.com. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. um, you, you also you have this advantage in Portland. You mentioned already how everyone was doing this gluten-free stuff. Um, in general, it's kind of a um, an adventurous crew out there, the, the natives of Portland, Oregon, <laughs> which I mean, I was exposed to a lot of it, and, um, and a great deal of health consciousness, despite yeah, the fact I, that there's a great deal of drinking of alcohol. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a, Portland is a it's a weird mix, you know, but it's it's it it definitely is amazing, but definitely a very, you know, especially when you travel to different towns, you realize how you know how health driven Portland is. You oh, know? it is, um, yeah. Well, and, it's young. And, and I mean, yeah, and you know, I mean, I mean how many? And then uh, businesses that come out of Portland. I mean, so many um, amazing food businesses come out of Portland. Oh yeah. Um, they have such an amazing, like like in the Bay Area, it was all tech, right? Um, up here, it's all food. 
Yeah. So it's it's pretty amazing. What was, there was a, there's a funny old hotel there called is it the Ace Hotel? Mm-hmm. The Ace. It's in, yeah. it's in Poland. I've never been there before. But you know, you know it exists, right? It's called the Ace. No, actually, I didn't. I'm sorry. No. Oh, it's on it's on kind of a side street on the just just nicely the wrong side of town. Ah, uh, got you. It's a kind of a <laughs> funky hotel, but the, the amazing thing about it was we we wanted to interview the chef for our program on the menu radio, uh-huh. and he said, well, he said we're, we're really busy all the time, but if you come in tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning being Sunday, I'll feed mm. you and. We'll do an in, do the interview. I mean, most people don't do that. Yeah, that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, that's actually really nice to do that. The food really was is. really good too. <laughs> so it was a win-win, huh? <laughs> it was a win. It was a win all around. All right, I love to hear that. I love to hear so, that. And, it, and another thing about uh, Portland is that there's a high percentage of black-owned businesses there. Why is that? That's an interesting. That's an interesting thing because I, I, I've never really thought that about Portland before, honestly. Um, it's kind of known for that, actually. Really, I never yeah. knew. That. I never yeah. knew. That. I never knew yeah. that at all. I mean, I think that. I mean, you know, I, that's interesting. Yeah, why would that be? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I can't really, I can't really speak to that. I think. I think again. Oh no, you know, I'll tell you what I think it is because I do have. They really like to support black-owned businesses. They like to try to support black-owned businesses, and I think that I think that here it's like you don't get lost in the mix because there's not a lot of black people, Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are a lot of. uh, I mean, in general, there just aren't. Um, No, they're 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 not. And so being a being you know being that there's not a lot of black people, there are definitely a lot of more resources here for you. You know, rather than oh, being in town where there's a whole bunch of black people, that there's, there's not a lot of resources. But being that you are just limited, um, it, it makes it a little easier here. The only thing well, now, who was the guy, the chef in um, Seattle? Um, <coughs> the, the restaurant was called June Baby. And he actually um, transported soul food to Seattle, which I would think would be the least likely place to store a soul food restaurant in. Yeah, you know, considering all the health stuff and everything, mm-hmm. um, and, and I liked him a lot. He showed up at a um, Star Chefs meeting, and uh, uh, he did um, chitlins, <laughs> which oh I've never done at a Star Chefs meeting before. Yeah, so I liked him a lot. I liked him very much, but then I found out that he was a um, an abuser, sexual harasser, an abuser. So his restaurant's wow. gone. Yeah, wow. I mean half half of the chefs that I like. <laughs> turns out when you get to know them, you find out that they're also abusers and they step away. So it's, it's wow. all over the country, you know. I think that contributes yeah. a lot to we don't have so many star chefs anymore or celebrity <laughs> chefs as much. The, the, only, the thing, the thing that puzzled me about Portland, and you might be able to shed some light on this, is that there's there's a really Super bad part of town. I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of street people. You know, there are a lot of street people. There are a lot of street people. 
Why, yeah, why is that? Yeah, no, you're 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 totally right about that. But you know, you wouldn't think because I mean, you understand it in Los Angeles because it's warm. But why mm-hmm. Portland, where it's wet and damp? Well, because they said that they have a lot more resources here for for people. I see. Okay. okay. Yeah, there's uh, a lot more resources here. I mean, Portland. I Portland what? is a very, you know, I mean, the the the, the, the a lot of homeless people basically took over downtown. If it was any other oh, city, yeah. they probably they would have just ran them out. But Portland is very forgiving. You know, they're 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 not that way. It's a very um, forward thinking city. Yeah, liberal. So yeah, they're they're you know, and so they do have a lot more resources here, and that's the reason why they say a lot of people come have come here. Yeah, but we always had a good time, I must say. <laughs> was yeah, that with that pretty, that, that gorgeous resort was, too, Rabbit? Where was that, Louis? Was the, the place that had the outdoor showers? Where was that? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not oh, I'm it not, was the, I'm not a big resort. Hmm. It was a, and it was, yeah, in Pol- it was in Poland? It was outside. Oh right, the right. No, and no, it was it was in the uh, wine country. Yes. Oh, in the wine country. Nice. Yeah, we used to yeah. uh, be uh, wine club members there because um, the the wines were so good too. And there's so many resources mm-hmm. in Portland. I really must say. Yeah, um, no. It's a again. It's a, it's an absolutely beautiful. Uh, <clears throat> Beautiful, beautiful place. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy here. I'm happy to call it my home. I'm, I'm very thankful that the community has supported me here. Have really supported me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been it's been such a blessing with everything, you know. Well, um, yeah. how old are the twins now? Uh, the twins are seven years old, and then <laughs> we have yeah, yeah, they're seven, and then. Um, my eldest daughter is nine, <clears throat> nine years old. Yeah, nine. Okay. Now, what what is your goal in the future? Of this are you going to expand um, flavors or uh, do different things with the products or go after more product? What is the future of the cracker? Well, we're going to be yeah. The future is we're launching a children's line right now, which is called the Cracker King Crowns. We're little uh, crackers in the shape of crowns, like like oh, like nice. goldfish, and they're gluten free. Oh, I so love goldfish. Yeah, they're like goldfish. We'll be hitting the market with that next month. Um, we'll be also um, uh, launching uh, another uh, few more uh, few more um, different flavors that are going to be coming out that we're excited about, and then we're going to go into cookies. And then um, we're going to go into graham cookies and different cookie lines, and then we're going to applesauce and everything and anything that's gluten-free, you're going to see my little logo on top of it. That's the plan. Well, Well, I'm glad I found you, Giovanni Prince, (laughs) and and your crackers. Uh, The company, once again, listeners, is the Cracker King. And um, mm-hmm. you do well to to do. I mean, of course, if if you're gluten free, it's a, it's definitely a must. But even if you're not sensitive to gluten or allergic to gluten, you're going to enjoy the crackers because they they taste that good. And what I like above all is the texture. They're crunchy. I love that texture. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, people don't even know they're gluten free when they try them. After they try them, they're like it was gluten free. <laughs> That's what I was going for. So. <laughs> I did it. Yay. 
Well, I'm so glad we connected with you and continued okay. success. And thank uh, you so much for your thanks. time. I really do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you for that talking to us. That means a lot to, to me. We've, we've done so much <laughs> to get to this point, and, and we're just blessed to have the support we have. And so thank you so much. It means a lot to, a lot to me and my team. Ciao, Giovanni. <laughs> okay. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. To manage to get some obtuse locations into this program. Uh, next, we're going to be rounding out the today's interviews with a talk with Samantha Skyring um, of her Oryx Desert Salt. Um, it's, it's an odd concept, but it's quite good as a product. Uh, listen to Samantha. Well, you know what, Samantha Skyring? I don't remember that we've ever interviewed somebody from South Africa before on, on live. Um, we've, we've, we've interviewed people from Bali, Australia, Tasmania, um, Korea. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know what happened to South Africa. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm very happy, happy to be the first. Thank you. Most of the time they play cricket, and they play, <laughs> and, they, and they call it Springboks. Yeah, that's right. Instead of the Oryx, yes. <laughs> that's just another bookie. <laughs> and as I, said, as I said before we went on air with this interview, listeners, if you ever, if you ever puzzled over whether or not a South African was a New Zealander, be, be, be very careful. They're very proud people. <laughs> oh, quite. And actually, we, we really do sound very different. Yeah, I, I, I think you sound very similar. But Samantha, <laughs> uh, <laughs> could I get the name of your company exactly right? Because I was calling it Onyx. And, and on your email, it, it's Oryx. Uh, yeah, we pronounce it Oryx as opposed to Oryx. So Oryx, Desert Salt. Oryx, but it's spelled O-R-Y-X. That's correct, yes. Okay, well, I'll have to correct that. So the Y is pretending Oryx. to be an I. Yeah. So uh, yes, Peter's okay. the one yeah. with the geography degree. Uh, so, but you, why don't you pinpoint um, where exactly you are and what is the Galahari? Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. So, um, the Kalahari Basin, um, oh, I don't, sorry, I don't have the numbers in, um, uh, in two and a half million square kilometers. It, it spans over three countries, Botswana, Namibia, and the northern part of South Africa. Um, and then inside of that is Kalahari Desert, which is 900,000 square kilometers, which is the size of one, uh, just larger than one and a half times the size of Texas, to give you a sense of scale. And we have a, uh, there is a remote pristine salt pan that lies inside the Kalahari Desert. It's 50 kilometers uh, from the border of Botswana to the very north of South Africa and about 50, 75 kilometers east of Namibia. Um, and the closest town is called Uppington, and it's um, 155 miles. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive from the town, 
up to the salt pans, and this whole area is pretty much uninhabitable. Um, there isn't fresh water. All the water there is um, what we call brackwater, which is brackish, which is salt water. Um, and it's uh, actually the area that has the most dense, it's the most dense area of salt, um, apparently, in the world. And, uh, and beneath our salt pan, uh, they discovered a 55 million ton salt lake that is fed by underground rivers that flow through rock strata so that they have geoscientifically tested. It's 180 to 300 million years old. Um, and these rivers flow, um, I think, 30 to 90 uh, feet underground. And as these rivers flow through these ancient rock strata, they pick up the vital minerals and trace elements that salt is supposed to have, together with the sodium chloride, the salt, and it converges in this underground lake. We pump it up, and in summer, um, the temperatures reach about 160, 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, and we crystallize, in, we crystallize ourselves in four weeks, I know. And for me, what the phenomenon is, is when we pump up this 100% saturated salt water, it has not been touched by human hands. It is absolutely pure, naturally organic, balanced by nature, and we sun-dried in the hot Kalahari sun. We add nothing. We take, we take nothing away. So it really is, is a very beautiful, ancient, mineral-rich salt. Now, Scarring, there is, there is a, a population of, a native population, st- st- still, I'm sure, in, the, in, this, in this desert. Am I correct? The Kalahari sand, the, the sand community is correct. Um, in fact, we, in, we did a post today on indigenous um, people, uh, the heritage and indige- indigenous people. Yeah, you sent us the um, happy indigenous pe- people um, our salutation Oh, today. did I? Oh, yeah. fantastic. Um, so we give a percentage of, um, we give a donation um, based on percentage of our sales back to this the community um, in order to support the community um, up in the Kalahari. Well, well how did you get there? <laughs> um, so actually a colleague was sending the salt um, uh, overseas and he didn't want to sell it in South Africa um, I had had an NGO um, uh, uh, an emotional um, upliftment project with the youth um, I travelled the country and we ended up workshopping 30,000 children in facilitated drumming workshops um, but in 2007 <laughs> Excuse me. Um, the financial recession. There wasn't corporate uh, funding for upliftment projects, and um, and then I saw the opportunity of this beautiful salt that wasn't available in South Africa, and I wanted to start sharing it um, with fellow South Africans. Um, and so, what was amazing is that I had done an incredible trip about seven years previous. Um, to the um, uh, into Namibia. In fact, I travelled with five friends for about five months, and we ended up walking. Three of us ended up walking a hundred no seventy five miles, one hundred and twenty kilometres, seven days through the Namib Desert. And I had oh. very close encounters with the Oryx, with that beautiful gazelle, which is the logo, um, the icon um, of our brand. 
Um, and I had close encounters with the, with the RX in the desert. And so seven years later, when I had the opportunity to create this brand of beautiful salt from the Kalahari, this incredible moss creature that had been like within a few meters from me, that was the, the image that came to mind. Now and you, once I'd actually... Mm-hmm. You, would, you would classify the oryx as an antelope? Yes, so they call it, it is an antelope or a gazelle um, is another. A gazelle, okay. It's one of the largest. I think the earlunt is the largest and then the, the chemsbok, um, which is the, the local South African name, and oryx is the Latin name, um, is the second largest antelope. No, actually, I haven't, I haven't checked it in relation to the deer, so I would need to do that. <laughs> no, I, we, I mentioned before, before we came on the air that... Uh, my my family, which is all from Yorkshire and the north and part of England, has a member of the family who's been resident most of the time in South Africa for the last okay, 15 or 20 years. Oh, wonderful. And uh, mm-hmm. she, she has a project called Save the Rhino. She, oh, she ran the, the New York Marathon in a rhino um, costume. And, uh, oh, and it was the middle of summer, and she almost <laughs> expired oh, from the heat. <laughs> dehydrated, I'm sure. You, you remember what a ladies. beautiful way to create awareness. You remember, the, you remember, the sweetheart, though, when we, when, we, when, we, when we met Jo last at her, her parents' 60th wedding, 50th wedding anniversary, or whenever it was, and uh, she, she had just talked someone at, she was working with Save the Rhino. Somebody else wanted her to work for them. So she had this brilliant idea. She said, why don't I work for both of you? <laughs> she's, she's amazing. She's, she's amazing a great ambassador. She's that, she's that kind of person. Oh, you, you, she, she and Skyrim wouldn't get along, don't you think, sweetheart? Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she's yeah. in Cape Town. I'd love to meet her. <laughs> Is Oryx also some of a, a, a name used by Margaret Atwood in one of her novels? From the oh, really? title. Is it? I'm, mm, I should Google that and find out. Mm. I don't know why. Uh, is, uh, I have, she when does. I have uh, Googled Oryx, there is one book that, that has got the name Oryx in, but I, don't, I haven't read it. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, so another amazing fact I'd love to share is once I'd chosen the Oryx as the logo for the Oryx Desert Salt brand, um, I was actually told by somebody who lived up in, in Namibia for their whole life, and so Oryx was almost, you know, part of, uh, part of their domestic animals. They were, they, they were common to them. And she said that some Oryx can go their entire lives without drinking water, but they can't go weeks without licking salt. It's so oh, essential for their, their survival in the desert. And then some years later, I got the, the second piece of the puzzle. <clears throat> Apparently their hair is hygroscopic. It's these microscopic little straws. So at night in the desert, when um, because of the moisture from the disparity of temperatures, um, they actually absorb the desert dew and moisture from the air at nighttime directly into their bodies. And okay. all succulents swell with this moisture, and so when they eat, they get hydrated at the same time. It's pretty awesome. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was right, by the way. This book is called Oryx, O-R-Y-X, and Crake, 
and it's by Margaret Atwood, who's a Canadian. <laughs> it's an adventure, romance, and speculative fiction, it says here. Anyhow, I read it. <laughs> so, now, uh, you, you also, um, you have different forms. Explain the forms of salt that, that you produce and also um, the sustainable aspect of your um, grinders. Yes. Um, so we have chosen a grinder head that has a ceramic mechanism. Um, so once you buy a grinder, you only need to buy it once for a year or for 10 to 20 or 30 times refills. And you just need to buy the resource to repurchase. So normally with a plastic polycarb grinder head, you purchase and almost by the end of the grinder it kind of stops working and um, and you throw it away and you purchase another one. Um, I, I worked out last year from all the refills and the buckets that we sold into restaurants that we saved around 186,000 bottles and grinder heads oh, wow. from landfill or from recycling. Um, so it really does make, and, and it's a really lovely grinder. It's smooth and it really works uh, so well and easy to use. And then you can just keep refilling it. And we have printed the logo and the information directly onto the bottle um, so that you can wipe it down and keep it clean. It doesn't have a label that gets, that peels and gets dirty. Right. And you know, I've, I've used it to replace my, um, I was using a salt stick. But um, because I couldn't keep the, the grinders, they were, the salt was destroying blades in the regular grinders. So I was advised by a spice company to, to just use the salt pick and, you know, sprinkle it with my fingers. But I replaced um, Anne, um, you're breaking up a little bit. I'm struggling to hear you a little. Um, let me just see. Yeah. It's, uh, Peter, would you mind repeating? Because you were really clear, um, and I'm struggling. I, sus I, sus I suspect I suspect that uh, you're in an area of the country where, shall we say, cellular service is not is not exactly wonderful. Not always fabulous. You're quite right. Um, I'm glad to have you clearly again. <laughs> um, in fact, I think was it last night we had load shedding. We had no electricity for about four hours. Um, so, yeah, this is Africa. <laughs> now, Anne, Anne was asking about, about how the proceeds from the making of the salt go back to the native population. I think that's yeah, it's always, I mean, Yes, I mean, because I had this NGO before, it's just, it has always felt really important for me to make a difference um, and to be able to, um, yeah, uh, create a bridge and support. And the, the, the Kalahari Sand community were marginalized many, many years ago. And there is a wonderful project. Um, they were given about 50,000 hectares of land. And then they were built um, a beautiful lodge, but they weren't given any um, funds or training or so on. And there's a wonderful organization called Transfrontier Park Destination. And they partner with communities all around South Africa, and they build up these very amazing lodges. Um, and they have a foundation. And so 
the, the proceeds go into the foundation and they help with education um, and, and various other, you know, what's necessary in, in the community at, at any time. Um, so we've, we've been giving back donations right from the word go. It's just uh, I wasn't able to create a fair trade product. Um, I don't own the Sultan. Um, so this was my, um, yeah, my way of giving back and making a difference. And then we, we, we have a beautiful product, which is, hasn't launched yet in the U.S., um, but it's a beautiful uh, cotton bag um, that is also handmade by a community uh, group of women. And so wherever we can, we, you know, we, we use yeah. people within the local community to, to give jobs. And, and um, so we've gone from no, uh, no packing staff to 10 packing staff. Um, now, which is um, so, yeah. It's uh, as we grow, um, you know, we'll grow, we'll grow with the, with the, the team will grow with us. How, how how can people reach this wonderful salt so that so that they can use it on their food? Um, well, I'm very excited to say that we have launched nationally in Whole Foods. Yeah, that was going to um, say that's how we got to know you. But you are now in Whole Foods. Yes, so that is, um, I mean, it's very exciting for the salt to now be available to everyone in the U.S. Um, it's accessible. Um, and, and the other thing is that it really tastes different, and I'd really love to encourage and challenge everyone to try just to grind um, Oryx Desert Salt um, on your palm and have a taste, and then to taste sea salt after that. Um, and there really is quite a distinct uh, flavor um, it's a very full and a very gentle salt, um, and often sea salt tends to be a bit bitter and harsh, but it's, it's almost like a fine wine. It's got a beautiful terroir and a beautiful cake profile. Well, um, then I, it was a real revelation to, to you and hear about your product. And um, you're doing great guns. <laughs> and did you have fun with you? Oh, sorry, Anne, you, you disappeared again. Um, <laughs> I moved out the house under the, under the stars and the moon. <laughs> I can get a better reception. Control the reception at these far-flung places where our interviewee is, uh, which is the case with this particular interview. But that does it for us for t- this week. Um, we'll see you again, as always. Same time, same place, and until then, bye-bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.